How many's going to go out to eat with us today? Yes. Everybody? Maybe. I was going to ask if y'all wanted to go out if, if there wasn't a plan. If you're buying, we'll go. <laughs> I will buy. No. Oh, we're, yes, this is the church go church out to eat day. Sunday. I know, but no, I, you're I not buying. To treat. Huh? I truly intended to treat. Take everybody Did you win a lottery? No. <laughs> no. But I got a shoe in. <laughs> <laughs> well. Hey. You can buy them next week. Okay. <laughs> well, I'll be in. Just put, uh, just put your support in. We'll take Thomas, care of it. Nebraska. Oh, wonderful. Maxine? Maxine said I miss my family and my friends. And Did you really tell Maxine to watch us? We'll say hi to her. Okay. I'll do that. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, let's go ahead and start. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Got a few people on now, so we'll go ahead. Hope you enjoyed your week this week hot week. We're in the summertime. Anybody doing anything fun for 4th of July? Going anywhere? Let's all go out to Anna Carl's and pop fireworks. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of stuff out there everywhere that can burn. I know, that would be scary. So we'll just watch the public ones. So. Well, we're continuing our study on the, uh, the wisdom of the single eye. Uh, I've, I've started uh, this morning writing chapter 8 of the book that I'm writing on this, and uh, I'm, I'm always just listening for what a title of that chapter is, and I talked to you already about uh, what it means to have dominion. What does it mean to have dominion? What does it mean we are? What are we? Huh? We're rulers. And what's the word start with M? Masters, that's right, masters. <laughs> Donna don't like to be tested. So... Uh, so I titled this chapter, A Master, Not a Slave. I agree, but I don't like to be tested either. Uh, a Master, Not a Slave. And, uh, you know, since we were born free, which I pointed out at the end of the teaching last week, uh, we were born a master, not a slave. And we need to know what that means to us. And this morning I was looking it up in the dictionaries online. And according, and, uh, according to the Bible, after our Father brought divine order to planet Earth, and the creation of the fish and the animals and the winged creatures and the vegetation and all of it. And everything was to bring forth after its kind. And then the Bible said that God saw what he created as beautiful. And there I could teach a whole sermon on that. And I have a lot about how we need to see everything as beautiful. We have it because we've been seeing with, with currently mindful eyes, if you would, and hearing that way. But it said he saw beautiful and then he blessed and they were blessed, or better said, they were adored by Father as His image. You know, when we gave birth to our children, we, we blessed them in the fact that we adored them. And we, uh, we saw ourselves in them. I mean, one of the first things I did when my son was born is I wanted to see myself in him. A lot of people says he looks like me, but he looks more like his mama. But my girls look like me. But I, I love it when I look at my children and I see me. I love it when I look at my children and they have mannerisms like me. And I, they hate it when they get old and they say, oh, my God, I'm my daddy. <laughs> right. You ever had that time when all of a sudden you did something or said something that your parents said, yeah. you know. And so uh, so then father made man and we know he made man himself. Uh, not that he made man himself, but he made man himself. In other words, he made man to be him to recreate him. And then the Bible says that he gave man dominion. And we talked about that. So remember, to have dominion means to subjugate, to have power, to conquer, and to be the master. However, in order to do that, we have to do that out of wisdom. Because I've read a lot 
uh, I, I always say I'm a product of all my teachers that's come before me. Uh, I'm a product of what I've read. I've been doing a lot of study and history of the world and history of different parts of the world or whatever. And I believe there's many people who have tapped into who they are, have tapped into that supernatural being that they are, but they also used it for greed, for gain, and for power, right? And I've read many stories where people could have blessed the earth, but in other words, they took from the earth for themselves. And so if we're going to live as the masters that we are, if we're going to live as supernatural spirits that we are, right, with a divine nature and divine character, then we must be blessings. We must be, have this realization that we're, we were created to bless the earth. And that being said, then we are the cherubims of the earth because the word cherubim actually infers people a blessing. So what is a master? According to the dictionary, a master is a person in charge. Uh, so I'm the master of this church, right? <laughs> no. Yes, no, I'm kidding. Yes, master. Thank you. Thank you. No, <laughs> we don't have a church system anyways. But a master is a person in charge. The principle overall that he is master over or she is a ruler is a sovereign and has complete knowledge and skill in his or her area of mastership. You know, people are always saying God is sovereign and he'll do whatever he wants. And, you know, if your child dies, we have, you know, people say, well, God is sovereign. Or if this happens, well, God is sovereign. There's a reason for God to do that. And that's not necessarily true. In fact, it's not true whatsoever. But literally, we are the sovereigns over this earth. And if there's things going wrong, if the things aren't functioning right, they're not doing what they're supposed to be, it's because we're not taking our place. We're wanting a sovereign God out there somewhere, as I've said many times, to do something. And all of our life we've been taught to pray to God and ask God to do something instead of just fellowship with God and commune with God and allow God to flow through us as Holy Spirit. And if we would just allow God to throw, flow through us, there's nothing we can't do because the Bible says I can do all things through Christ, my Holy Spirit, not Jesus. Jesus doesn't strengthen me. My Holy Spirit strengthens me. And I have the very same spirit that Jesus had because we're all one. So there's nothing that we can't do if we allow our Holy Spirit to be the power behind us or the force, the driving force behind us. <clears throat> so... When a college, uh, it also says, has complete knowledge and skill in his or her area of mastership. So when a college provides a person with a master's degree, it's because they've taken certain courses and supposedly, it's supposed to be this way, they have proven that they're skillful in every course that they took. And so if you go to Bible college and you get a master's degree in biblical studies or whatever, uh, hopefully you're skillful in dividing out the word, making it palatable, making it understandable to people. Now, I'm not going to say that I, I have taught every book in the Bible, but I've taught a lot of them. But I know when the time comes for me to do that, I can do that because Father has made me skillful. I'm not ashamed of saying that. And I'm not better than anybody else. Anybody can become skillful in what their calling is and what their their uh their purposes in their life and we're all different we all have different things that we have knowledge in and so what happens is to be a master one can control one can overpower one can triumph over one can vanquish again one can subjugate or prevail over or govern govern or bridle or tame and see that's what jesus did in his earth walk did it not he tamed the storms 
he 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 bridled the 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 traducing law that was coming against us because he taught the truth he prevailed over every situation that man had had subjected themselves to and he showed us the way to do it he wasn't here to say well i'm here to do all this for you right but he had to do it for people because that's all they were after when 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 jesus came man was totally bankrupt they were in a bankrupt situation they had this mentality of broke and poor and sick and diseased and everything else and when they came to them they could not understand the spiritual things that he came to reveal to them he even told the disciples i've tried to share these things to you but you can't handle them what he was saying you've let them slip between your fingers if you would and you haven't been able to bear them right now but be of good cheer i, I am going to go away but i'm not going to leave you teacherless or comfortless i'm going to send you many more comforters to lead you <clears throat> and guide you and teach you the things that i was trying to teach you and explain them to you <clears throat> there again we know that the apostle paul was one john was one and there's been many more that i would call masters they have mastered the ability to grind out the word and make it understandable because they listen to the voice of spirit in, inside of them. So the opposite of a master is a what? Slave. That's right, a slave. Good job, Donna. You get an A today. <laughs> so a slave is a person who is a legal property of another and is forced to obey them. And you may say, well, I'm not a slave. Well, if you're under the control of the political world, if you're under the control of the financial world, if you're under the world of the medical world, right, and the social, all five systems of this earth, then literally you have become enslaved to them. And I've been that way most of my life. I remember as we were growing up and young and married and having children and buying things, we became a slave to the financial system. And it was really tough. We were, became a slave of refinancing our loans and, and make it easy, you know, we'll put them all in one thing and we'll sell it to you for 28% interest and you can pay for it the rest of your life, you know. <laughs> People become a slave to cars today. Everybody wants a new car. We, we, you know, if you're driving down the road, how many of you see old cars anymore? Everybody wants a brand new car today. And they're willing, most of them are willing to finance it at high interest rates, a lot of people that doesn't have good credit, and they're willing to finance almost, there's cars today that's been financed for 10 years, maybe more. And so they become a slave to the financial system. And of course, we become a slave to the medical system because we didn't know that God was our life. And we were always dependent on God to heal us. And some people, sometimes, we all have, we have tapped into that, but we've not learned how to live out of the permanence of life. Therefore, we need doctors and sur surgeons and medicine, and literally people become a slave to that. I saw this week where some people were talking about how they were in bondage to opioids. Some of them were taking 20 a day, 10 a day. You know, I've talked to people that were taking even more than that every day. But yet we do the same thing in many areas, not because we want to, but because we're not yet living out of God our health, so we still have to take medicine, right? And I'm not telling you don't take it, but I am a slave to blood pressure medicine right now. I'm an illegal slave though, yes. right? It's not, it's not legal and we should have to do it. I'm, I'm right now I'm a slave to taking gabapentin. It's, it's, it's illegal because it's not my supply, but also it's not wise to live in horrible pain until I can tap into God my health and believe that God is my health. So we're all there. I'm not trying to 
make us feel bad. I'm just trying to show you that we have been slaves, but we're not slaves. We're the master. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Also, a slave toils. Yes. A slave labors. You know, if we, sh if we go out and have a, 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 a position to work, and, and like I've always said, I don't go to work to bless myself now that I know who I am. I go to work to bless my employer and to bless their customers. When I've sold prearranged funerals, I very seldom, once I've matured, I didn't think about, oh, I need to make money, I'm desperate for money. I went there to be a blessing to those people and to help them when the worst day of their life comes and that's when they lose one of their loved ones. So it shouldn't be toiling. It shouldn't be sweat. <laughs> it, should, it shouldn't be something that we have to do that, that we work our fingers to the bone. We work day and night. We work like a dog. That's what it said here as a slave. They work like a dog. Our travails away for penance and for nothing, and yet we've done that most of our life. Most of us have worked very hard to please our employers, to make sure we don't get fired, yeah. and to try to make just enough money to get by on. And that's not good. So I say, does that sound familiar? It does. And we can say that about every system there is. So how many people do you know who have worked hard for the carnal system of this earth and died at a very young age? Donna's dad passed away at 58 years old. His body ceased to be able to hold him. He worked his rear off. He, he had just got to unloading a truck full of turkeys, frozen turkeys, very hard work by himself. Went to eat lunch, dropped dead in par a parking lot, a heart attack. My dad worked hard all of his life. He worked as a pastor. He, worked, he, he repaired watches. And then he worked out at Tinker, stro strove to work with excellence, and realized something was wrong, quit, and died at 66. That's very young. Some people say it's not. You know, you had children. You had a son that passed away at a very young age. Donna had a brother and sister that died at a very young age. You know, so this is not God. This is not who were created, that's a slave mentality, if you would. And I can write volumes of books on the subject of families and acquaintances who lived uh, more as a slave and died very early in life. And that's not God. That's not what God wants for us. They never got to enjoy their so-called retirement. You know, and I'm not saying you have to quit. You can, you know, I, I planned on still selling funerals for a while. I, I planned on never quitting working for Dignity Memorial, and I hope I get to go back, you know. But, but you know, you don't have to quit, but you can get to the point that you just, you enjoy your life. You, you get to eat dessert first. And I always say we should eat dessert first when we're young. Don't wait. And I tell people that all the time. So... 42 times in our Bible, 42 times in our Bible, the Word of God exhorts us to awake. You type in A-W-A-K in my, my concordance, and it says awake 42 times. The first Hebrew reference is number 5782, and it's through the idea of opening the eyes by stirring a people up to a higher realm of understanding and living. This is my mission, this is my mandate, and it's my ministry to help wake people up. So that's the first time it's mentioned and it's somebody to help people wake up. And we all need that. You know, my first helper was Gary Garner and he woke me up to the truth that he had. And then he introduced me to John Cahill and said, John has the greatest revelation on the finished work of Jesus Christ that I know. So John had his understanding of the, of, of the revelation of Jesus. He helped wake me up. 
Scotty Todd helped wake this up and other wake us up and then other ministers. And then when I met my dear friend and sister Kay Fairchild, she helped me wake up and I helped her wake up. We both did it together. And now we are, our mandate is to help other people wake up and we're privileged to get to do that and I enjoy it. I love going out in the world and waking people up. Even if it's just one little thing, like you're beautiful, you don't have to bow your head down. I love telling people that they're Holy Spirit. And guess what? I water them with that exhortation, and I believe the Spirit of God within them is saying, Amen, Amen, and bringing them to a place where they can learn more and more and more. The next word, in the, in, is secondly, is uh, the number 6974, and it's used in the sense of an abrupt waking up from sleep. And how many times I've told you that you don't want to wake somebody up that doesn't want to be awakened, right? You know, Donna, uh, on Sunday mornings particularly, because that's about the only time I wake her up, if she wants to sleep till noon, she can. She doesn't that hardly at all. But Donna, uh, I get up at 5.30 or, and 6 to, to write and study, and then I wake her up at 8. So I don't walk in and say, Donna, get up! Because I know it's going to really upset her and it's going to startle her. So I quietly walk in there and I open the window real slow, the blind, and let light come in a little bit, and I go, Donna... Donna, this morning I had to say it five times, <laughs> but she, she, she was really asleep. But I don't want to abruptly wake her up. But there are some people that need to be abruptly awakened. When you're a child and it's time to get ready for school and the alarm goes off and they don't get up, then you have to say, Nathan, get out of bed. <laughs> you know, I've told you five times to get out. Because why? Because they're a child, right? So... So what that means, literally, is in a, 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 this sense of this, it means that there are people that we can finally say, hey, it's time to wake up. You know, if, if you are in my fellowship and you've sat under my ministry for years and listened and you're still coming to me and say, Pastor, I need, I need uh, God to do something for me. I need God to give me a raise. I need God to give me a husband. I need God to, whatever the list is, you know what I'm going to say? You know what? It's time for you to wake up. You, it's time for you to realize that I've told you, I don't know how many times the Bible says God has already given you everything that you need spiritually and everything that you need physically. It's yours. And it's much better to know that than to always have to be praying, God, do this, God, do that for me. Amen? Amen. Has, has, have you received the answer to every prayer that you've asked? No. What percentage would you say that you have? How many? 50. 50? Well, that's good because you tapped into truth. But some people, it's much smaller than that, a whole lot smaller than that. And then in the Greek, it's used as 1453. It's egirio, E-G-E-I-R-O, and I'm sure I pronounced it wrong. But that's to the idea of collecting one's faculties, to awaken, to arouse from sleep, to arouse from dis-ease, not necessarily, when you read this word disease, in some places, it's not disease like sickness in your body. It's dis-ease. In other words, you're not living in ease. You're not living at rest. So from that, from death, from obscurity, in other words, what's, if something's obscure, you can't see it very well, can you? So awaken and get out of that obscurity and, and live where Christ can be seen, Holy Spirit can be seen in your life. From inactivity... What's the activity we need to be living? Blessing people, right? 
and then from ruins and from non-existence. We can awaken from that. There, there are people all over the world that they feel like they, they're living in non-existence. Hi, Wanda Buttons. Good to see you here. They think they're, they're just, there's nothing for them to do in the earth, and they just don't exist anywhere, and I'm good for nothing. You ever heard people say that? Well, awake from that because you're good for something. Everybody, there's something that you can do. So the Apostle Paul used this word in Romans, 8, uh, Romans 13, 11, and he said that knowing the time, that now it's high time to wake out of sleep, for now is our Holy Spirit nearer than what we believed. And of course, in the King James, they put Jesus Christ or Christ, but it's Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's nearer than you ever believed because you are Holy Spirit. We spend all of our life praying and asking for Holy Spirit to do something. And we called Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit as though Holy Spirit is a separate entity from us. And Paul was saying, Holy Spirit's nearer than you believe. Holy Spirit's nearer than your breath. Holy Spirit is your very DNA, your very divine nature activity. It's every part of your being in every cell of your body is Holy Spirit. And guess what? I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, but every cell in your body is perfect. And every cell in your body is just as it was when mom and dad got together and dad put that sperm in there and it created life in that cell and that cell began to multiply and it was supposed to multiply in perfection for eternity. Yes. Are not our cells still multiplying? Yes, yes. Constantly. Yep. Why aren't they multiplying youth? Yeah. I'll answer that in a little while. <laughs> So Paul, what Paul was saying is before we believed, we were Holy Spirit. Before we believed, we were already masters. The disciples came, a couple of disciples came to, uh, I've said this before, people who were added to the church because they heard the message of love. And they joined the community of believers because they loved the message of love. They were tired of the message of an appease, a God needing appeasement all the time. And they joined together. And then they came to them later. Some of them said, have you received of your Holy Spirit since you believed? They didn't say, have you received the Holy Spirit? You know, or did you talk in tongues or whatever? No, they said, have you received of your spirit since you believed? How many of us did that when we first believed? Really received of our spirit? Even knew that we could. Most people didn't. I didn't. I didn't know that. And I thought I didn't have Holy Spirit until I talked in tongues because that's what we were taught, and it wasn't true. So Paul was saying, before you believed your Holy Spirit, before you believed your masters, but the problem is we didn't know it because we, we, we weren't allowed to know it because something put us to sleep, and that was religiosity. You can even be a person that never stepped foot in church ever, never listened to a sermon in your life, and because of the way this earth is and the stuff you see on TV and all you even saw yourself as separate from God. Yes. I talked to Donna about that a lot because she wasn't raised in church. Her grandma and grandpa were, but her parents didn't or whatever. And I just talked about that a lot with her because she, she wasn't sure. You know, when her brother and sister died, she just wasn't sure where they were at. And she wasn't sure if she, she felt like she was, but she wasn't confident that she was one with God already. And I told her the other day, when she came to our church, uh, when we were very young and she uh, gave her life to the Lord and she quote, got saved and she quote, got filled with the Holy Ghost, it was a real experience. And I do not 
negate it one bit because I did the same thing. I never walked down the aisle and got, quote, got saved, but I did learn to talk in tongues, and it was a real experience. Even though it may not be God's perfect for us, God met us where we were at. Amen? And so it was a real experience for her. But we have to be confident and we have to wake up from that sleep that religion put us into because if we don't, we will continue to live as slaves. I long for the day when a corporate body will wake up and quit living as slaves to the systems of this earth and realize that we don't need them. Maybe the United States needs politics. Maybe they need all that stuff. But we who believe, we who know we are, we can live here in this world but not be affected by this world. We are here to affect the world, correct? And if we will get busy affecting the world, what's true in us will flow through us and it maintains our life. And you would be surprised at the quality of life that we can live with no sickness, no disease, no sense of lack in any area whatsoever. And the starting point of that is to get out of dis-ease and enter into the rest of God. People perish because they didn't enter into God's rest, right? People perish because they didn't believe in the operation of God. Old Testament, a couple times it talked about the operation of God. And I used to believe that was the crucified, died, buried, but it wasn't. It was him raising man back up and showing them that he never left them where they were. Just like Adam, whatever Adam did, God didn't kick him out of the garden. He chased him all the way out trying to say, you're righteous, you're holy, and yet Adam wouldn't listen to that. So God's operation was his decree from the foundation of the world that he created man in, in, in perfect resemblance of him. No difference whatsoever. Yesterday, I was at Walmart, and... Uh, I looked at this lady and there was a buggy in the top of it. And I mean, a baby carriage in the top of the buggy and one in the bottom. They were a little bitty. So I thought, oh my gosh, they're twins. So I just asked her, I said, you've got twins. And she said, yeah. And I said, I love twins. You know, I grew up with two twin girls and uh, we just had a blast with them all the time. They were identical. Well, these little girls were identical. She told me, she said, there's nothing different about them. They don't have different markings. They, they, they came out with the same hair length, everything. I mean, they're perfectly identical. And I thought, oh my gosh, what a picture of God and man. God could say, look at all my whatever, <laughs> you know, not twins, not, but look at all my children. They're all one with me. They, they look just like me, yes. right? Yes. But we don't see that. And you say, well, Roy, we all have different hair. But I'm talking about seeing us spiritually. We, we look like God because we were in the mind of God from the foundation of the world. When God saw man, he saw all of us. He saw bald men. He saw red-haired women. He saw blondes. He saw brunettes. He saw little bitty short people. He saw tall people. He saw fat people. And, and you name it. He saw, and he, we're all God. Isn't that amazing to meditate about? And when people hear it, I can just, I can hear amazement sometimes because we don't think that way at all. We still think like a slave, but we're not slaves. Micah 5.14, I found this in my translations this morning. I've translated more scriptures than I can remember. I wish I could remember them all, but the Holy Spirit draws those things to remembrance when I need it. And so I, I like that. But it says, I will forsake, pull up, root out, and utterly tear away the false images out of your minds. Isn't that cool? Yes. 
and make those beliefs desolate, destroy, bring to naught, overthrow, utterly pluck down the images by opening your eyes, stir you up, and lift you up to a higher awareness. Where do you think Paul got some of those things? You got any idea where the things that he taught? Because he, he listened to the other prophets, but also God spoke to him. Just like God spoke to Jesus. I tell you, I believe God spoke to many people before Jesus. We, we here in America, we think that we're the only ones that know things and we think Christianity started right here. We think this wisdom and knowledge started right here. The wisdom and knowledge that we're tapping in today was before the foundation of the world. The, the wisdom and knowledge that we're tapping in today was God always God, and God always spoke to people, and they were masters. They were masters. They understood. I do believe that there were people that literally lived 100% out of their spirit, more than we even know. We hear people all the time that live to be 107 I don't know what the oldest is, around 110 years, but I believe possibly there are people that live longer. I really do, because there had to be people that tap in because God was always speaking. I don't believe in those dark ages where God was quiet. You remember, you hear about several, I don't believe that. God never shut his mouth to people because God is spirit and God is in all people. So I don't believe in that. Jeremiah was used in his day by God. God spoke through Jeremiah, did he not? He, he said, uh, I'm going to read chapter 1, verse 4 through 10, because this was the calling that the Lord gave me to. said, Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed you in the belly, I knew you. And before you came forth out of the womb, I sanctified you, and I ordained you a prophet unto the nations. And we know nations are minds of men, right? Understandings. And particularly, he was a prophet to Israel. Then said I, all Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. But the Lord said unto me, say not, I'm a child, for you exist to go to all that I shall send you. And whatsoever I command you, you will speak. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with you to, to deliver you, saith the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day set you over nations, which again is the awareness of man. And here's the key thing, over the kingdoms to root out, to pull down, and to destroy, and to throw down, and then to build and to plant. And I say this all the time, you can't build and you can't plant in a person's life until you uh, root out, pull down, and destroy, and throw down all the false beliefs. It just won't work. And that's why I say we shouldn't go to people that are not ready and tell them a truth that's going to knock them off their butt. They're going to, make, they're going to get mad at you. But if you can deal with the untruths, if they're ready and they're hungry, and you can deal with the untruths and explain those things to them, then you can go say, now let me tell you who you are and let me tell you what you're here for. And then they can receive that. So also, I like the book of wisdom. I quoted from it before, but it says, O God, my Father and Lord of mercy, who has made all things with your word and ordained man through your wisdom, that he should be master over the creatures and all that you have made. That's in the book of wisdom. Master over the creatures. And order, uh, command, and demand the world according to equity and righteousness and execute your decision, decree, and declaration with an upright heart. Give me wisdom, Father. 
Now, isn't that cool? Listen to this again. He ordained man through his wisdom, God's wisdom, that he, man, should be master over the creatures and all you have made. And then our job is to order, to command, and demand the world according to equity and righteousness. Not greed. Not getting all you can get and can all you can, all you get. Is that how you say it? Oh, get all you can and can all you get. Not doing that. Not trying to build yourself a kingdom. Not trying to make the biggest church that you can make. Compromising the gospel so you can get more people to come. I, I mean, we've all seen it all. I've been in ministry most of my life, and it's amazing what I've seen take place for greed and for carnal benefits. It's not right. We do it out of equity and righteousness, and we execute his decision. My judgment for you is his decision. Before I knew what I know today, the Lord helped me with a lot of that because I, I learned one thing. I don't want to judge other people for what they're doing. And I had people would come to me at Tree of Life and some of the leaders in the church and some of the people, and they would want to confess something that they did and they thought it would disqualify them from ministry. And I said, so? Just quit doing it. I'm not going to take you out of your ministry. I'm not going to say you can't serve anymore. But look how many people have done that. See, I, I executed God's judgment over them. I said, you're still righteous and you're still holy. Now, if you keep that up, then you probably need to step down yourself. But I'm not going to take that away from you. Just do it different next time. Make a different decision next time. So what did Jesus live at? Jesus lived as a master, a teacher, and a servant to all. A master and teacher and servant to all. That's what I want to be. Many times, you know, I know Donna, and I don't blame her. She struggles with all the phone calls I get, and I go in my room, and I'll talk for hours on end, you know, but I can't help it. I'm a servant. That's what I'm called to do. I'm there to help people. When people call and ask a question, if I have the answer, I want to give it to them, and many times they get much more than they ask for because <laughs> I don't know how to turn it off. But part of Jesus' appearance in the uh, realm of, of the time was to not only reveal the eternal love of Father, do away with the hindrance and the law that was bothering us and restore our identity, but also to show us how to live as the master that we all are. He literally was here to show us how to live because no one in his earth walk around where he lived, lived in full awareness of who they were at that time. And I could write another chapter in this book concerning the other people besides Jesus recorded in the Bible that really tapped in and lived in certain times as a master. They were able to do things that we call miracles that are not miracles, they're the norm. When people talk about miracles in the Bible, they automatically think of Jesus, but the Bible is full of people who have done things. Adam was supernatural. We have no record at what Adam did before he listened to preachers of the knowledge of good and evil and self-condemned himself, but I guarantee you Adam lived supernaturally because the Bible said he walked with God in the cool of the day. I believe if he wanted to be in Africa, he was in Africa. I believe if he wanted to be on this side of the world, he, they, whatever, I believe they lived supernaturally because they lived, uh, what I mean by supernaturally, other than as carnal, right? They had no need. There was no sickness, there was no disease, there was no death. We have no idea of the very power of God that functioned in him. 
I used to be able to quote it all the time, but I think uh, chronologically, Adam lived to be like 930, was it 930 years old? Something like that. It took that long for his self-condemnation to destroy the life of God in him. And like I say, we've got it down to 30, 40, 50, 60 years now, right? But the Bible, see, when people talk about this, again, miracles, they might, uh, they really need to th think a miracle is the normal way of life. You know, when we look on Facebook and we see how people have received some kind of miraculous healing and everybody just says, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, it's a miracle, it's a miracle. Well, it should be normal. We shouldn't have to call and even say, wow, you wouldn't believe what happened. It should be just something that we expect that we went to people and we brought them back to their normal life. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus didn't work miracles. Jesus went and brought them back to their normal life. And I saw your eyes get big, Donna, but we called them miracles. He brought them back to their normal life. And that shouldn't be a miracle. It should be easy. It should be easy for us to go to people that are functioning in dis-ease and the results of that and lay hands on them and minister to them and bring them back to the right mind or their right physical being. There should be people that can come to me and literally I shouldn't have to really need people. I should be able just, and I'm, I'm starting to meditate on this, I'm speaking to my body that my cells are just as youthful as they were when I was created in my mama's womb. And my, 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 the life in me is creating constantly newness of life cells. And I speak to my mesenteric organ yes. that the tissues that make you work and make you supply blood to my body, that you're, you're becoming new and all that old yellow scar tissue has been swallowed up of life. Yes. That's how I'm speaking to myself. Yes. And guess what? I'm master of my body. There you go. Yes. Oh, Roy, God is. Well, I'm master of my body. Because I'm God in a body. My Holy Spirit is me. So my Holy Spirit is master in my body. And even though I may have some wrong thoughts up here, greater is my Holy Spirit yeah. that's in my yeah. whole being than the part of me that's within the world. The part of me that thinks the way the world has taught me to think. Yeah. See, the world would tell me I have a disease that's not curable. But greater is my Holy Spirit within inside of me. Yes. More powerful is your Holy Spirit that's inside of yes. you to deal with anything that's out of ease. That's, right. that's not in divine alignment with who you are. Right, Amen. Amen. So the truth is, what we title miracles should be the norm for us. Moses functioned as master over the elements, didn't he? And over creatures. But he did it out of anger. See, we have attributed the Ten Commandments, I mean, the, the uh, plagues to God. But it wasn't God, it was Moses. Moses tapped into his power because God gave him power to lead the people. Moses spoke those things into existence. You know, I, I, I mentioned, I think it was last week, that we are creators. And I like what Kay said, we create what God created. We create what God created. We form what God created, but we also can form the opposite of that. Just like it's the word ant antithesis where it said God created light and darkness. No, it said God created light and got darkness back. God created good and said everything was good and he blessed it, but he got what back? Evil, if you would, because man took it and turned it into evil. 
correct? So what are we to do? We're to take what man has turned into dis-ease and poverty and lack and come with a word of truth and turn it into eternal blessing Amen. and divine health. Moses did that. Elijah functioned as a master because he literally functioned as spirit. Elijah did that. Isaiah did that. The three Hebrew children did that. They said, we're going to serve God whether you put us in the fire or you don't, or whether he delivers us or where he doesn't deliver us. He did deliver them. And most people would say, what do you mean he delivered them? They threw him in the furnace. He delivered them because they had an awareness of who they were and the fire could not touch them. It wasn't so much that God did anything. God did it in them. Because if I didn't have that awareness, do you think I would just willingly let him throw me in? I'd be fighting and screaming and please God, save me. God, save me. But this awareness is what saves you. Yes. You want to be saved from something? Let God change your awareness. Let your masters over the word that have an understanding and have grounded out, listen to them. Because there's many in the earth today that can help you and help you. See, Daniel went into a lion's den, and what happened? His awareness caused those lions to not be hungry. <laughs> to look at him and say, oh, he don't look good. <laughs> he look no good. <laughs> he don't look too good. But it was his awareness. See, the reason, I'm getting a little wild here, <laughs> but the reason animals want to kill us is because we don't know who we are. We don't uh, walk among them in peace. We walk among them in fear. Now, I'm not telling you to go pick up a serpent or anything else, but I'm just saying I do believe there will come a time when man will walk in perfect peace and it will bring everything into order. Remember Paul? He went to an island and a serpent came out of a, a bunch of wood and a fire, a viper, and he should have died instantly and he just shook it off. How did he do that? He knew who he was. He, he received a pure revelation. They stoned him to death and he stood back up. How did he do that? He knew who he was and he knew his time wasn't up. He had many more letters to write and much more teaching to do. So other books in the Old Testament are packed full of what we call miracles when they were normal things. They are mainly performed by prophets. They're performed by people who were called by God to represent him at certain times, but they could have been performed by anybody. Think of Enoch. Enoch did not see death, did he? His physical body. He just, he was, he just didn't, he, he stepped out of the realm of time and he took his body with him. I'm reading some books right now that some of you would go, oh, Roy. But literally, there's been time in our, and, and before America ever was, in the Middle East, where people literally would take their bodies with them. I know people are going to look at me and say, Roy, you're crazy. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I, know there, I know Jesus took his body with him several times and appeared somewhere else, right? And the, Philip took his body and went into the realm of spirit and then came back somewhere else. Elijah... And Moses must have took their body with them because they appeared with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, right? 
And I believe when our body, I believe this, when our physical body can't hold us anymore, I do believe we have a glorified body. I do believe it. And I believe many times they step out of the realm of spirit and they become angels unaware, messengers unaware. I believe that to be whole and my wife is looking at me really funny. No, I'm not. <laughs> I, I know. You're squinting your eyes at the light. I, I must be glowing with light or something. So <laughs> one story tells of a poor widow who went to the prophet Elijah asking for help. Do you remember that story? <coughs> All that she had left was a jar of olive oil. That was it. And through, quote, a miracle, the oil multiplied so much so that the widow had enough to sell and live off the money she made. That's in 2 Kings 4 and 7. On another occasion, Elijah healed Naaman, an army commander, from leprosy. How do these people do that? They knew who they were. They weren't Christians. They didn't get saved. They didn't get filled with the Holy Ghost. They didn't talk in tongues. They didn't go to Bible school and get a degree. They knew who they were. They were prophets of God. They were called prophets of God. And I'm telling you today, you are called. And I'm not trying to get you to go out and work, quote, miracles. And say, oh, I want to do that. Or I want to walk on water. I want, but I want to tell you, you need to know that you can. If need be, you can. Yes. If the, not, not to glorify yourself, not to do it in front of other people. Jesus told people, don't go tell everybody. Mm-hmm. Didn't, he, didn't he heal some people leprosy? And he said, don't go tell them. Because he knew they would, oh, where's he at? Where's he at? I want it. Or where's he at? We want to kill him. Yeah. Yeah. Both sides of that, right? Mm-hmm. I got my Holy Ghost bumps all over me right now. <laughs> you don't have to go do it, but you need to know that you can we can do more than we know we can do. There are some things that I'm learning that a lot of people would just forget that guy. And that's why I'm not teaching them. But there have been people on planet Earth who have done much more than what we think. And Jesus said, he came because we fell asleep. He came because we quit living out of our spirit. Quit living as God. And he came to wake us up to who we are. Reveal who we are. Not just so we would know who we are and walk around with a crown on our head. Look at me. Look at us. We're kings. No. So that we would know who we are so when the withdrawal is made, we're able to release. To release and to minister to the world. How do these people and Jesus do what they did? Now, am am I saying Jesus isn't who God says Jesus was? No, Jesus was our Messiah. Jesus was our Redeemer. He came to redeem man back to God, not God to man. He came to stop what was hindering us, which was a lot. It was the Mosaic Law. It was our self-condemnation. It was our mistaken identity. It was our idea that we need. We looked and we lacked and we didn't have enough bread, so we needed Him to give us bread. He wanted to take that away from us. But again, they were so bankrupt they couldn't understand because they just wanted more bread. But I'll tell you what, family, it is so cool to realize that there was a few loaves of bread put in Jesus' hand and there was a few little fishes put in Jesus' hand and it just, it, it just it, I won't even say it multiplied, it just kept feeding people and kept feeding people. There was an eternal supply. 
I believe they didn't even have to put it in his hand for him to do that. Amen. I told Donna, I read where one guy many, many years ago was a master and he was teaching people. And he over in Tibet and China, places like that. And these people were just really paying attention. They couldn't understand what was going on. And they went to a place and they fed him. And the lady came with a bill. And he said, he said there was nothing in the man's hand whatsoever. He closed his hand and said, here, open it up. And it was exactly what they needed. But he didn't walk around doing that like a magic show all the time. I'm not saying it happened. I don't know. I kind of believe it did. But you don't have to believe it. But Jesus did that. Healing was in his hands, right? It was in his hands. It was in his mouth. All he had to do is speak it. And he would say, thy faith has made you whole. Your confidence in what I said has made you whole. He always said, do you believe? One disciple crazily went and said, are we supposed to pay pay taxes, you know? And Jesus knew it was his concern. And he said, render unto Caesar what's Caesar. And he said, hey, why don't you go fishing? And he found a hunk of goat in the mouth of a fish. How did that happen? It was a creative norm. That's why I keep looking for gold in the fish at Carl's Pond. <laughs> Haven't found any yet. <laughs> if Anne would say, that's my property, that's my gold. <laughs> so how did they do it? How did they do it? They served mankind as a master and all Father created us to be and do. That's how they did it. They served mankind. Donna, they got to the place, Donna Misi, we have two Donnas here. They got to the place where it was no longer about them. Everything. My job's not about me. My life's not about me. My home's not about me. Everything I am is about other people. And I know a lot of you are that way. And I know sometimes people can drag on you and pull on you and it can become very weary. And you don't have to let people be that way. Sometimes we can just minister from people from afar. Sometimes our job is to sow the seed in somebody else's water, yeah. somebody else's tent. You have to know what your job is, what, what your calling is with each person. Yeah, but it's got to be not about us because we got to realize we're okay. Amen. I'm all right. I don't have a feeling everything's going to be all right. Remember that song? Yeah. I am all right. I'm right wise. Yes. Right? right? You are too. No matter what this body is trying to tell me, I am whole. Yeah and you are whole and I'm going to quit listening to the body it's not really the body it's my sense awareness we're controlled by our senses and we should not our senses should be controlled by our spirit I say that all the time we wake up in the morning one of the first things we do is we start checking ourselves out when we were first born our parents checked us out and we start checking our, our joints out and how we feel and you know, I watch all of us today, and when we get out of the chair, we don't. it takes us a few seconds to get up. <laughs> we need to spring up like a chicken. <laughs> Hello, Brother McCraw. It's good to see you on here. So Jesus did reveal our Father to us. Jesus revealed who is omnipotent, omnipresent, and omniscient. However, as exact image of God, we are omnipotent, omnipresent, and omniscient. We are. We are. We know we uh, are all-knowing. Yes. 
because the Bible says that we have all things that pertain to uh, life and godliness. It also says we have an unction, which is a union with our Holy Spirit, and we know all things. We have the mind of Christ, which the mind of Christ is our Holy Spirit. We don't have the mind of Jesus. We have the same mind that he had. Yes. Now, a lot of people get upset with me when I say all that, but I saw that this morning because it said, let this mind be in you that was in Jesus. So we, we don't have Jesus's mind, and we are not Jesus in this earth. We are the same way Jesus was, but we're as God in this earth as he was God in this earth. Amen. We have God's mind as he had God's mind. That's why for a long time I started saying when you see the, uh, the word Christ, put yourself there. I didn't realize it was Holy Spirit, but I did realize that we were the same as Jesus. But we have the same spirit that he had. Yes. And many people want to say that Jesus lives in them. Jesus does not live in you except for the fact that you and Jesus are one as God and Jesus was one. We're all the same. You know, that's why I say when you see me, you see you. And when you see me, you see the Father. And when I see you, I see the Father, right? When I saw those two babies, I say they were Mary and Elizabeth. When I saw Elizabeth, I saw Mary. When I saw Mary, I saw Elizabeth. They were perfect image. I wish you could have seen them. They were gorgeous. I right, said, so can I take a picture of them? My, my kids say that's, that's cre creepy. I don't want to be creepy. So we can function out of all three of those powers when we fully awaken to who we are and do so out of love for all people, right? By being a servant to all. You know, we all see, I'm going to go a little bit long today, and I hope you don't mind, but we're taking you out to eat, so I need, I need you to earn it a little bit. Uh, <laughs> We see shows where people go back in time, right? And, and most of them, they learn something like who's going to win the pennant, you know, the uh, World Series, that's what they call the pennant, the World Series baseball game? I think so. Or who's going to do this? And so when they go back, they bet on them because they know they're going to win. So they, they took their knowledge for greed, right? And it did nobody any good at all. But if you could go back in time and you loved people and you cared for people and you saw decisions that were made that affected bad things today, then you could come back and go correct those decisions. You can tell people, you know, if you do this, this is what's gonna happen, but let me tell you what you should do, correct? Well, guess what? We have that knowledge. We don't have to go back in time. We have an unction of the Holy One and we know answers for all the world's problems today. Did you know that, Carl? That's a big burden on you. <laughs> but not so much just you by yourself. We all have it. And I believe if we will all start functioning out of who we are, and we start meditating on the Word day and night, and I'm not just talking about a physical day and night, but just constantly meditate on the Word of God and listen, then in your area where you're at, God will give you a divine Word for your employer, for whatever it is that's going to bring perfection to whatever that needs to be. Amen? Amen? I've done that many times in my job, and my employers appreciated me for it, and I was promoted because of it, because I gave them words of wisdom that would help them. I've given many of our employees individually words of wisdom. One of them is, you're not a slave to this company, you're here to bless this company. Amen. 
I've gone to a lot of managers that were struggling, and I just, would you mind if I tell you something? You know, feel felt found, you know? I, I kind of, I don't know how you feel, but I know how I felt when I was a manager, and uh, I made some mistakes, and would you mind if I share them with you? And I've done that with many managers, and if they're wise, they listen and they become successful. We can do that in every area of life. So we can function out of this. We will never function out of our supernatural being for our own benefit. That's the key thing. You are supernatural, but you don't function for your own benefit. Functioning is your benefit. Functioning to bless people. When you give, like Jesus said, it's better to give than to receive. I would rather be the giver, wouldn't you? Than the receiver. It's nice when somebody gives me money, but I'd rather be the one giving the money. Because if somebody gives me money and that's what I depend on, then I'm always going to be dependent on them giving. Trust me, I'm a pastor. In times when we had our fellowship and we had rent due and we had electric bills and gas bills and salaries and all that, we had people that came to our fellowship that were committed, man. They, God sent me here to be a part of your ministry and blah, blah, blah. And, and so we depended on their income and the next thing you know, they're gone and we're in trouble. Right? You can't do that. God is my supply, not you. But God in you can be used to supply, right? Yes. And we got to realize that. So you might be thinking, but I need help. I need this. I need that. I disagree. You don't need anything. You don't. Those needs have appeared out of a false mistaken identity. Those needs have appeared out of not knowing who you are and not knowing your father. You know, if my children, when we had a home, were always coming to me and say, Dad, I need food. We, I need some money. I need this. No, you don't. I have it. I'm your dad. You know, we got to go get something to, you know, do something to get it. No, I'm your dad. All you got to do is ask me. My daughter told my grandson the other day uh, if, if, you know, there were some things that come up or whatever. But she, she said, if you're, you're, your grandpa is so good, if he had it and you asked for $500, he would give it to you. She was just letting him know that I would take care of him. And I would. Donna knows, and most of you know, I would give every penny I had. And that's why she don't let me carry pennies in my pocket. <laughs> I have to carry a card so I can answer to her what I spend. That's why I keep my book money in my own account. <laughs> so please help me and buy books from me. Because <laughs> she won't give me money. That's right. So, so again, once we know who we are, once we realize it's high time that we wake up from this false idea of lack, we realize we need nothing. We have all things that pertain to physical life and spiritual life. Both, both are one and the same, right? Because my physical life is spiritual. Now, I often quote the following from uh, exhortation, and it's good to do this again. The Apostle Paul wrote in his epistle to the community of believers in, in uh, Philippi. He said, if, if there be therefore any comfort in living as Holy Spirit, any comfort in living as Holy Spirit, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels of mercy, fulfill you my joy, that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and one mind, let nothing be done through strife 
her vain glory. In other words, don't do it for glory. Preachers, listen to me out there. Whatever you do, don't do it for glory. I mean, if, if you preach the most awesome sermon in the world, don't do it so people think you're awesome. Boy, I struggle with that. No, it's a joke. <laughs> I thought y'all would laugh. You're just looking at me seriously. <laughs> but don't do it. Don't study to impress people. Don't, don't lay hands on people and slam in the spirit and all that stuff for vain glory because it's just vanity. That's all it is. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than himself. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. In other words, take care of people. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. See right there, it's not just Jesus' mind, it's the mind of God, right? Who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. Reputation. That's why he kept saying, don't tell the people, you know, I don't need crowds running to me. And took upon him the form of a servant and was made in likeness of men. Now he became a servant to people, not of people. He became a slave to people, not a slave of people. He was a bond slave. He was here to serve people, not to be served not to be bowed down to. And yet, what have we done? We bow down to Jesus. We, we worship, you know, the word, the word worship actually means ascertain, seek, and desire to know. And that's what we're, we want to know what Jesus came to reveal. I want to know about Jesus. I would have loved to walk with Jesus. And I look forward to seeing Jesus someday, you know, but I worship my Father. God seeks people who ascertain and seek and desire to know Him in spirit and in truth, not looking for a physical body. But we have taken Jesus and made Jesus an idol. Everywhere you go, you see a picture that they painted to be Jesus. That's not Jesus. I just think it's funny. I went into Mardell's the other day, and there were pictures all over the place of Jesus. And we have crosses everywhere. And we have made the cross an idol. And we have made Jesus an idol. And Jesus would not want that. Jesus always pointed us to the Father. Yes. He was here to do the will of the Father. He was here to explain who the Father was. And I admire Jesus, and I lift Jesus up. He was a great master of the Word. He was a, he was a great master of this earth, and He knew how to function out of who He was. He was our example. Amen? But an, an example is so you can be that in the earth today. Yes. I've had some really good examples in my life, and I've strived to be like them. And, and, and I've seen people that function out a really good character. I've said many times, I've gone to funerals where they say the person never said a bad word to anybody. I want to be that way. I would love if my body ceased to be able to hold me that people would say, Roy Richmond, I never heard him say a bad word to anybody, about anybody. So he was a great teacher. He was a master. He came that we might have full understanding of life. He came that we might be, uh, become aware of life and life more abundantly. He didn't come to bring it to us, like the Bible says. He came to bring an awareness of what we have already. There's only one life, and anything else is not life, family. So we must understand that all mortal boundaries are man-made. That means disease, mental illnesses, 
a lack of money, poverty, uh, ignorance, not been smart enough for this or that. It just The list can go on and on. They're all man-made. God did not create them. When God created man, he said, this is your world. It said he made everything. I mean, I can list everything. He made the snails. He made the worms. I don't know why he made mosquitoes and flies. I, I don't understand that yet. <laughs> but he made everything over this earth. And he said, now master it. Be the master of it. Bring it into order. Keep it under submission. Right? So who made the tornadoes? Who made hurricanes? Who made famines? Who made droughts? Who made tsunamis? Man did it because man did not master over it. So we've allowed this planet to run its own course apart from a master. You give birth to a child and you don't bring it up in the right ways and you let it do anything it wants and you don't correct it. What's it going to be when it's 16, 17, 18? It's going to be a tornado. It's going to be a hurricane, <laughs> right? There's going to be all kinds of discord. Is it God? Did God, did God born that baby that way? Did birth, did God make that baby? No, God did not make that. But you know what we try to do? Well, the reason my child is this way is because of their dad or because of the DNA that's passed down. No, no, it's because we didn't raise it up in the way it should go. And the church did not raise us up in the way that we should go. The church raised us up as sinners saved by grace. And we felt good. Because like uh, our friend in Texas said that Joanne Paddock said, I got my ticket to heaven. And we were willing to live 30, 40, 50, 60, 80, 90, 100 years in a life of poverty. Just waiting to go to heaven someday. And it's not good. Amen? Amen. So what Jesus taught and did came from the mind of our Father, which was the mind of Jesus, and is our true mind. There's only one true mind. And not all things of our Father Creator, uh, excuse me, there's not anything of our Father Creator that we can't do. I need to correct that right here. Not anything of our Father. Whatever our Father is, we are today. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? So I believe Father is willing and ready to reveal himself to all men. As he revealed himself to Jesus, as he revealed himself to Paul, as he revealed himself to John, as he revealed himself to people before Jesus, way before Jesus, hundreds of years, maybe thousands of years, I don't know. And as he reveals himself to master teachers today, many comforter teachers today. So uh, he's willing. Are you willing? Or is it too hard? Or Lottie, is it too late? <laughs> right? Sister Wanda, is it too late for you? No. Circumstances may look like it is, but it's not. We, we, can, we can do mighty works no matter how old we are. Our, our youth can be renewed as we begin to speak to our bodies and say, create cells. The cells that you're creating, they are youthful. We just speak it. They are youthful. They are the very same cells that my mama birthed me with from the very beginning. Now that might sound weird, but I believe That's it. Don and I recently traveled to Phoenix in Sedona, Arizona. And while we were in Phoenix, we went to Scottsdale and there was a little, there's a city there called Old Town Scottsdale. Is that what it's called? Old, Old Town Scottsdale. And it had a lot of shopping and everything. 
But while we were there, we were walking around and we saw this banya tree. And we saw it from across the street. And I mean, it was massive up on, on top of it, just massive. And I just thought, oh my God, that tree must be hundreds of years old. You know, I dated it really quickly in my conscious awareness. And so we walked up there and there was a sign on it and it said the tree was 15 years old. It was at least this big around. It, at least this bigger you've seen them before how they they spread and they grow roots the the canopy was probably I don't, I don't want to exaggerate but it was massive it was just so pretty and we, no I think I did but think about this it was planted in a five about a five foot square of dirt and the rest was concrete and the whole city around it was concrete and you would think if you planted something there, it would not thrive, wouldn't you? But it planted its roots down deep. And it went deeper and deeper, and it found a water supply, I'm sure. And it found nutrients. But the, 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 the greatest thing about it is I was looking at it, and the leaves on the top were just as beautiful as the leaves underneath it. The buds on the top were just as young-looking and beautiful as the buds underneath it. It didn't look old. Just because it was big and round doesn't mean it was old. It was young. It was just a 15-year-old teenager. But there's some of them out there that are many, many I'm, I'm guessing some are over 100 years old because they don't die. They never die. The only thing that happens is accident. Fire or something happens and they're, they're, they, they're broken or whatever. But they keep reproducing 15 years later, just like they did in the beginning. A hundred years from now, they're still reproducing beautiful leaves and beautiful buds and beautiful greenery, and that's a picture of eternal life. Why is it that if in the beginning we're creating perfect cells and somewhere later on our cells aren't creating perfection, they're, they're creating cancer, mesenteritis, coronary heart disease, Alzheimer's, all that stuff. Why? Is it God? Yes. No. God, that, that spark of life that went into that egg to produce one cell, you, you had one cell, then you had two, then you had four, then you had eight, then you had 16 and 36 and 162 and it goes on. And I used to be able to go to a million with it. I can go pretty far. <laughs> <laughs> but it just keeps reaper and it was supposed to create perfection. Yes. Only man does that. Only man. Now, animals now get disease and cancer, so animals do it too. Has to do with a lot of the food that we feed them just like the food that we eat. Right? Everything should be recreating or doubling or everything in perfect life, but for some reason they don't. So think about that. Let me jump ahead of this because I went ahead of myself. There really is no reason for man to toil and labor, but toil and labor produces death. No reason why man should suffer and sweat by their brow because it produces death. Worry and fear produces death, right? So there's all kinds of reasons that happens. This evergreen, this, this banyan tree, as a mature female, if you would, 
there's a reproduction that takes place that divides and again causes that embryo and there's no reason why man should ever be sick. There's no reason why man should ever have disease and there's no reason why man's body should die except for accident maybe. Anything else, we should thrive once we know who we are. This, this ever-spreading banyan tree is a symbol of everlasting life and everlasting life doesn't die. Right? So no natural law of decay, no age process uh, is existing in that banyan tree whatsoever, right? And it's a tree. What are we? We're the very, it, that tree was the mind of God, but we're the image of God. We favor, we are favored by God. We have God's image. We are perfect. Did God make a mistake? No. Is God not done anything today? God is in us. There's a man here in Oklahoma City that all the time on the radio, he's a preacher, and he says, you'll never know what God's going to do. And he's always teaching people, what well, I'm telling you, I'm teaching what God did do, what God, the decision and the decree, the declaration, this, I get it backward, decision, declaration, and decree of God was to create man in his very likeness. Those two babies I saw, they both have the same DNA, identical DNA. I mean, that's pretty powerful. There's nothing different. They look at them, nothing different whatsoever. I'm telling you, if you could see God and you see me, you see the same thing. You want to see God? Look around you. Yes. God's in everyone. So what's in us? A vital energy of cells, a divine form that's inside of us. There's no natural law of death or decay for man, again, except for accident. We have to start thinking that way. No weapon, Paul said, no weapon formed against us can prosper. And where do the weapons come from? In our conscious awareness, in our subconscious, mainly in our subconscious. No inevitable age process exists. And yet we become very comfortable with age because we think it's just supposed to happen. Death is then an avoidable accident. I read that in a book, but I took it. <laughs> I don't know who did it, but death is an avoidable accident. Death. And I say this, and I know Kay does too. We're not telling you that you're never going to die, but I'm telling you you're not supposed to die. I'm not telling you I'm never going to die in my body, but I'm telling you I'm not supposed to die. I'm not. Disease, above all, is D-I-S hyphen E-A-S-E. Dis-ease. In other words, we're out of ease. Absence of, uh, absence of ease or absence of a joyous peace of the spirit. A lot of people have no peace. And it flows through our spirit to our body. Senile decay. What is that? Mental decay? is the common experience of man whose understanding comes from their sensory realm. And we laugh about it. You know, we men play cards on, on sometimes on Friday nights and we all joke and everything. And we, we, last, last Friday night, some of us were talking about this is a, uh, this is a preparation for the rest home <laughs> because we forget whose turn it is. And we forget if we have the Neil hat on our head. Carl's really bad about it now. He'll, you, you, when you go kneel, you know what kneel is, Donna? Yes. 
when you go kneel and you're not going to take any of the tricks, we put a Krispy Kreme hat on our head. Well, almost all of us now, just before we play each time, we, t we oh, oh, I'm Neil, I'm Neil, you know. <laughs> We're all struggling right now. <laughs> I think we struggle because we talk and tell stories a lot, but it is funny. But we tell ourselves that, you know, and we, we, we talk about how, you know, we may have to go to rest home someday and we identify with that stuff and we, we must not, we must quit that. We must stop it. So all this stuff is an ex expression that comes from ignorance. A disease comes from ignorance. Not enough money comes from ignorance. Whatever it is comes from ignorance. In other words, we don't know who we are, right? Ignorance isn't a bad word. You know, there's a lot of things I'm ignorant to. But the greatest thing that I'm ignorant to is absolutely, without a shallow doubt, knowing who I am and identifying with that. Some people know who they are intellectually, but not spiritually. not spiritually, not where you can grasp hold of it so much so that when you wake up, when you go to bed, that's just who you are. So it's a cause of disease, conditions of the brain and the bodies, and they're all products of wrong information and beliefs in our subconscious. Even accidents are preventable. Now that sounds crazy, doesn't it? An accident is usually something that's not in your control, but the truth is it is because we have an unction with a Holy One and we know all things and we have the voice of God inside of us and the voice of God can say, don't do that, don't go this way, stop. You want some ice cream, pull over when there's something going to happen uh, uh, that far ahead of you or whatever it is. The very Spirit of God can protect us from accidents. Yes. It's called wisdom. Yes. It's called knowledge. And all wisdom and knowledge comes from your Holy Spirit. So if we're listening to Holy Spirit all the time, we're tuned in and we know it so much that in a crowd we can hear it. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. There are people that I know their voice so much that if I was in a crowd of 100 people and they said something, I would recognize it. Mothers, isn't that true of your children? Roy? Yeah, I know when Donna says Lord Roy, I know if I hear Lord Roy, I know it's Donna <laughs> bowing down to me. Yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> but is, isn't this good? Yes. That we can be protected from car wrecks. You know, the, the last couple of weeks, Donna and I experienced the wisdom of stop, look, and listen because we went, uh, we had the green light and so did two or three people in front of us and we went and next thing you know, somebody's driving 60 miles an hour, ran the red light. You can hear, stop, look and listen, right? And you know what I do now when I come to a red light? I've learned my lesson. I told Donna, it's happened two times in a week. I am not taken out there until I look both ways. I'm gonna make sure those cars are sitting there because most of the time they're on their cell phones, right? Even accidents are preventable if we would listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. So we've only lived as a mere slave or a mere human, and it's high time to wake up. Stand with me. <laughs> no, you don't have to stand in. I used to say that all the time. I don't get to say that anymore. Stand with me. I made a mistake one time, and I was... I will. I, was, I made a mistake one time, and I was teaching, and I used the word stand. And, you know, like when you've done all you can do, stand. 
And I guess they wouldn't listen to me preach. All they heard is stand, and about a fourth of the congregation stood up right now. I said, sit back down, please. <laughs> yeah, I'll pray. Let's, let's converse a little bit, all right? Father, we just thank you for your powerful word that's coming forth today uh, through many people. You know, uh, I minister with Kay, so I know Kay is ministering the same way I am and teaching a message that's just changing the world. And I know there's many other ministers out there that are, Father, and I thank you that we're in a day that I believe is a great awakening. You know, I know in the 1800s they said that, in the 1900s early. I know there's many times, and and I'm sure there was an awakening going on today, but I've never, uh, then, but I've never seen an awakening like it's taking place today. It's reaching every age, not, not just old people and chronologically, but the young people are coming and they're desirous of that, Father. And I just say, Lord, come quickly in us as we allow you to. I know we have to let you. We have to let you. We have to let that same mind be in us, Father. And so I converse over every one of us that that's going to be a priority in our life from this day forward that we're going to let, and the people that's listening to us, we're going to let that same mind that was in Jesus be in control of us be in us. There's too much stuff that's been in us that's hindering us, Father, and we willingly let that go, and we willingly say we are going to go forth in this earth, not just something cute that we're saying or whatever, but we're going to go forth in this earth and let your voice guide us through everything we say, everything we hear, and everything we see, and help us to want to bless people. Help us to look for people that we can be the answer to their prayer. And we thank you for that, Father. And we pray this in the very nature of Jesus Christ, the way he prayed. And we bless you, Father, for the word that you're giving us today. And we thank you for our life and our blessing and our friends. Amen. Amen. God bless you. All you guys out there on the internet. Hi, Jeff. It's good to see you on here. Linda Darnell. Bless you. You're welcome. There's uh, Deborah. I can't see that very well. But there's Deborah. Thank you for being there. We'll just sit here and I'll thank all of you at once. Sharon Anderson. (laughs) God bless you. I got to stop now. Bye-bye.